Good morning, everyone. Well, here we are in the second week of, uh, of Pathways and uh, moving right along. Hopefully, uh, you've been doing your uh, daily devotions and uh, really just kind of opening up uh, your heart into what, what God is uh, trying to communicate to you over the next uh, six weeks here. Uh, earlier this week, uh, my kids and I, we were playing charades. And uh, Boo Bear, who is now nine, which is hard to believe, uh, uh, and actually for the first time ever uh, is now asking to be called Eric, not Boo Bear, and, uh, which is sad to me. Uh, but uh, we were playing charades, and it was uh, his turn, and, and uh, he got up and went like this, and he went like like this, and he started going like this, and then he's going like this, and then he's going like this, and I'm like, okay, what could that possibly be? What could that possibly be? A pastor. That uh, and it was kind of interesting. Uh, uh, his, his his image and what he thought would would demonstrate uh, a pastor is someone who sits on a stool, which he didn't have one, so he made a you know holds his Bible, talks like this, baptizes people, and then claps a lot. <laughs> so, uh, and externally, uh, I was thinking, well, you know that 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 is you know something that that people see and what he sees a lot of of what what I do and uh, that's really what we're we're talking about today is is kind of like this this idea between heart and actions and how do all those things work together now last week uh, we we really kind of gave the framework of, of pathways this kind of this pursuit pursuit of loving God with all our whole heart our soul our mind, our strength, and loving others as our self. And some conversations that I had this week uh, uh, made me think, you know what, maybe we need to talk a little bit more about this pursuit and, and what does it actually look like as we live it out in the 21st century. And, and one of the first things was, you know, what is health? And, and we talked about this kind of integrated life of, of worship and incorporating, you know, your heart and your, your soul and your mind and your strength and loving others as yourself. But really, where, where does that come from and, and what is kind of the pathway of that? And I, I spent quite a bit of time this week just in my Bible and thinking about it and uh, in a way that hopefully we could all kind of come to a common understanding of, of kind of where we've been and where we're going and, and those kind of things. And uh, the first thing that I, I kind of came up with was this idea of health. Okay, what? What is health? And I would say that, that health is the way that, that we're defining it, is this, this ideal state. Now, what, what's, a, what's the ideal state for, for those of us who are God's creation? Well, that's, that's really kind of easy for us to, to find out. 
Adam and Eve were created in the ideal state. That, that, that we get a picture of what really God intended for him and his creation, humankind, this, this, this intimate relationship where the Bible says that God walked with them and talked with them and that there was this, this togetherness. So the ideal state is Adam, Adam and Eve and, and really their how they were created in the ideal state. And in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 4, it says, When the Lord God made the heavens and the earth, there were no plants or grains growing on the earth. For the Lord God had not sent any rain, and no one was there to cultivate the soil. But water came up out of the ground and watered the land. And the Lord God formed a man's body from the dust of the ground and breathed into it the breath of life. Notice it was an it before the breath of life. And the man became a living person. Then the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he placed the man he had created. And the Lord God planted all sorts of trees in the garden, beautiful trees that produced delicious fruit. And the center, at the center of the garden, he placed there the tree of life, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So basically, you have just uh, this, this really snippet out of a much larger story, this understanding that the ideal state of, of man is really being in this, this perfect garden where, where there's plenty of food, that, that God is there, that there's nothing coming in between them, and... Uh, there's also this, this choice. The ideal state is that, you know what? Adam had a choice between the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So we, we have this whole understanding. The ideal state is perfection of man, nothing in between him and God, perfect relationship, and but the man having a choice, the man and the woman having a choice of, of being in that state or not. Well, what happened? Well, basically, sin, sin corrupted this ideal state. Check out in Corinthians chapter 3. Or excuse me, Genesis chapter 3. And Adam's, and God said to Adam, because you listened to your wife and ate of the fruit, <laughs> I told you not to eat. I had placed a curse on the ground, and your life, all your life, you will struggle to scratch a living from it. So now we have a curse on the ground that sin is entered into this ideal state of health. It will grow thorns and thistles for you. Though you will eat of its grains, all your life you will sweat to produce food until your dying day. Then you will return to the ground from which you came. For you were made from dust, and to dust you will return. So, you have this ideal, you have the ideal state that Adam and Eve were in because they chose not to be in this ideal state anymore by eating of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. 
that now that they have brought a curse upon them, that the, the ground is cursed, and also now there's something, they no longer have this, this ideal relationship with God without anything in between, because God is holy, God is absolutely pure, and they had brought impurity into their life. And now, for the rest of their life, their, their natural life, that they're going to be in struggle and turmoil. Well, God so loved the world that we're, we're told that, that God wanted to bring us back in a relationship. For after all, he loved us. And he didn't create us just to, just to have us out there and be cursed and, and, and never be able to have a relationship with him again. So God brought Christ, or Jesus, sent him because he loved the world so much because he wanted to have this ideal state redeemed or or restored and in the bible they called jesus sometimes the next or the new or the last adam the new adam but there's some specific differences between christ and the new adam in first corinthians chapter 15 the scripture tells us the first man adam became a living person but the last adam that is christ is a life giving spirit here you have Adam who was a created being who, who was there but had no power. The new Adam who is Jesus is a life-giving spirit. Or Romans chapter 5 verse 14. What a contrast between Adam and Christ who is yet to come. And what a difference between our sin and God's generous gift of forgiveness. Forgiveness of what? Forgiveness for making the choice that we do not want to be in the ideal state anymore. That we do not want to have a perfect relationship with God, not hindered by anything as he envisioned. But we severed that relationship. But God forgave us for that. For this one man, Adam, brought death to many through his sin. But this other man, Christ brought forgiveness to many through God's bountiful gift. So we have this understanding that, that now we all live under this new covenant, that we live post-Jesus coming. So we have this, this new Adam, but he didn't bring death as the first Adam did. He brought life. And at this point, each and every one of us, that, that this is where we're given a choice. We're saying, you know what? We can continue of eating of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. We have that choice. We can continue to live in this unhealthy state, this unideal state. Or we can choose the forgiveness that was given by Christ and to go for and follow him and try to, to achieve or, or understand or be in the, and live out the vision that God has for each and every one of our lives. Not a new vision, but the original vision. And in heaven, we'll be restored back to this state, but what about now? Well, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, what came first was the natural body, then the spiritual body came later. Adam, the first man, was made from the dust of the earth, while Christ, the second man, came from heaven. Every human being has an earthly body just like Adam's. 
but our heavenly bodies will be just like Christ. Now as we are now like Adam, the man of the earth, so someday we'll be like Christ, the man from heaven. So basically, we're being instructed here that, you know what? We live in this fallen state, but someday we have this hope that we will be restored back to the ideal state. But what until then? Well, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and verse 23, it says, now, many, now may the God of peace make you holy in every way. Remember, holy means set apart for God's purpose or absolutely pure. That here where he's talking about, hey, you know what? Get back to the ideal state. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until that day when the Lord our Jesus Christ comes again. God who calls you is faithful. He will do this. And just kind of having this understanding that, you know what? This is great. This, this ideal state. And I could just say, okay, let's all go and live the ideal state. Let's, let's all live holy and blameless lives. Let's love God with all our, our, our heart and our soul and our mind and our strength. And let's love our, our neighbors as ourselves. Okay, let's go. Let's go do it. Let's never mess up again. We don't have it within us to do it, do we? And that's why God says, look, I understand where you're at. And I, I'm going to help you and, and move you toward this so you can at least experience a foretaste of, of what it will truly be like to live out the life that I have envisioned for you. And that's kind of what the journey that we're on and this idea of, of holistic health or an integrated life of worship is this, is this pursuit of, of living out this ideal state. Now, having conversations with, with several different people and just kind of like, okay, you know, what does that mean specifically? And I think a lot of times when we think about health, and we talked about this last week, a lot of our minds go directly to what we're, we're comfortable with. Uh, some of us, you know, we directly go to physical health and because that's the most readily apparent. Or some of us think spiritual health or emotional health or all of these kind of different things. And, and even though we may say, you know what, yeah, they're integrated and each one is equally important and all that kind of stuff is just as Jesus said, that, that somewhere along the ways, we, we just do not have clarity in our minds on this. And this week, I, I really wanted to bring in an image that would help bring us, give us clarity of, of the balance that we're trying to achieve and how this is an integration into everything that we do and not like a full-time job of, of, of going and pursuing these kind of different things, but just really having it as, as just part of our being, of just who we are. And I looked at different kinds of things, and I even on my Facebook thing said, hey, you know, uh, I'm looking for a pentagonal uh, system. Anybody help me out? And I had a couple of people uh, uh, try to help me out and things like that. And finally, after doing like all bunch of Google image searches and things like that, I, I stumbled across this uh, 
this uh, pentagonal, uh, pentagonal uh, Celtic knot. And, I've, and it was just black and white, and I was like, you know what? This, this actually might work. And there, there it was, and I was looking at it, and I was just trying to con uh, just conceptualize what it would look like. And, and I decided to start playing with some color on it, and hopefully that, that this will, will bring some clarity of, of kind of an image of, of what this loving God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength, and loving others as yourself looks like. In the red there, we have loving your heart. And the next one be with all your soul in uh, yellow there. And then the next one, uh, all of your mind in blue. And the next one, loving neighbors as yourself in green, or excuse me, uh, all your strength. And then in orange, loving neighbors or loving others as much as yourself. And here we have this Celtic knot with these five different colors. And they're all integrated. They're, they're all equal. And, and they're all necessary for this, this knot to exist. And not a knot of bondage, but a, a knot of security and, and freedom. And hopefully that kind of gives you more of a, a mental picture of, of the direction that we're heading. Now, all of that, just to get to what we're talking about today, and that's the red one, of, of you know, loving God with all your heart. You know, what the heck does that mean? You know, there's songs like, you know, I'm coming back to the heart of worship and everything. But I think if, we, you know, we did a survey, you know, 200 of us would come up with 200 different ideas of what the heck was Matt Redman even writing about? What's the heart of worship? What, you know, what does that mean? It's kind of this, this abstract idea. So this is what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to turn to somebody, preferably someone you do not know. Make sure you know their name and ask them this question. How do you love God with all of your heart? Go for it. Come on back, come on back. Anybody want to weigh in on this? Anybody like to volunteer kind of what this, this whole loving God with all your heart looks like or means? See, that's kind of how I started out too. So we uh, searched out uh, 
uh, try to find some sort of clarity uh, on, on video. So uh, we came up with this clip, hopefully to help us out a little bit. I don't know about you, but this whole loving God with all your heart or, or emotional wellness and, and living emotionally well, my mind always goes directly to Stuart Smalling, and I just like, Ugh, I don't want to be like that, you know? I want to, you know, drink, you know, soda pop and burp and, 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 you know, slap my friends on the back and, and, you know, uh, you know, the whole, you know, touchy feely kind of stuff just kind of just, just sets me off a little bit. And, and, and consequently, uh, you know, this has probably been one of my most difficult areas, uh, of life, you know, I, I, I've I've sat in so many conferences and, and different kinds of group and somebody will say, you know, if you were a leaf, how would you be feeling right now? And I'm like, I, I don't know. I mean, it, like a leaf? Like I should be in a compost pile? I, I, I just, I don't understand the question. Let's go do something. And, uh, and we'll worry about it later. And, and, and unfortunately, this has kind of the, been the, the point in my life that, you know, just for an image, you know, I, I, there would be something in the front seat that needs to be dealt with, and I would just take it and put it in the back seat and, and say, all right, I'll just deal with it later. And uh, eventually in my life that so much stuff was so, you know, cluttered up in the back seat that it started just falling uh, back up in the front seat, and, and, and I, I, I was forced to deal with it. And I didn't realize it as, as, as I was going through life that, that this stuff was, you know, piling up, and, and it, was, it was really starting to slow me down and hinder me from really being able to, to not only have a, a right relationship with God, but a right relationship with those people around me and that God has put around me. And unfortunately, this is one of these things that especially if we don't naturally gravitate to it, that, that we, we all, you know, a lot of times automatically have ill-conceived notions uh, uh, of, of what it actually looks like and, and what does it mean. And a lot of times, you know, just sitting around and talking about your feelings and, and, and stuff like that. It just, it's, it's something that we just rather not do. And then other times that we'll gravitate toward other things that, that we, we think, okay, if I do these things, uh, then I'm going to be emotionally well or, or that these things symbolize 
emotional wellness and things and things like that. And we're all over the map on this. Some of us that we do things for our spouse that we spouses that we think that that they are going to enjoy and that's our way of, you know, it's our it's our love language. And uh, but we never really go and we sit down and talk about the meat of the issues kind of things. It reminds me of a, you know, the kind of the little story of the of the 40th wedding anniversary that people are having. And and uh, the the woman comes to the man that she's been married to for 40 years and said, you know what? The, the last time you said I love you to me was on our wedding day 40 years ago. And, and he replies, well, if I change my mind, I'll let you know. You know? And, and that, that kind of mentality of like, all right, you know what? Maybe, maybe there's some issue going on here that, 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 that is deeper. And maybe in his mind, he's like, look, I go to work every day. You know, I provide a paycheck. I put a roof over your head. You know, I, I have all of these kinds of things. And, and what more do you want? And the, the truth is that, that those of, you know, those of us uh, in relationships that, you know what, it's nice to be taken care of, but we, we want more than just somebody who's providing for us. We want somebody who is emotionally connected with us. The same thing is true in our, in our friendships, and, and we, you know, interact with, with one another. And the same thing is true in our relationship with God. That going back to what originally the ideal state was, that there was this, this, complete unity, this, 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 this no barrier relationship with God. You see, confusion on this isn't new, though. Uh, in Mark chapter 7, which will we'll be there today, uh, so you may want to turn there, uh, the Pharisees had, had erected a whole set of, of traditions, traditions that were meant to show that they were loving God with all of their heart, that they were fulfilling this commandment. And it starts out this way. It says, One day some Pharisees and teachers of the religious law arrived from Jerusalem to see Jesus. They noticed that some of his disciples failed to follow the Jewish ritual of hand-washing before eating. Just to let you know, most men still fail (laughs) to do their hand-washing before eating. Jump down to verse 5, because 4 and 3 and 4 are just talking about what that actually meant. So, the Pharisees and teachers of the religious law asked him, Why don't your disciples follow our age-old traditions? They eat without first performing hand wa- the hand-washing ceremony. So they're talking about their traditions and all this kind of stuff, and they've noticed that, that the, the disciples aren't following through with, with these traditions, and they come and they complain to Jesus because he's their rabbi, and like, hey, what is going on? And I love it because Jesus doesn't even answer their question directly. He just goes right in and says, you hypocrites. I always love when Jesus stuff, like they ask him a question. He's like, you brood of vipers or, or something like that. It's just like, 
just lets him have it. And, and he's like, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. For he wrote, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is a farce. For they teach man-made ideas as commands from God. For you ignore God's law and substitute your own traditions. Basically, he's just calling it out right here. You see that the ceremonial hand washing was not an actual, it wasn't actually one of the six, 613 laws of, of Moses. That This was a tradition that, that had been risen up through the years of the Israelites and had actually became you know, something that they all adhered to and, and that it was as important, if not more important, as we're going to see, than the actual law itself. And it's not to say that traditions are bad. You know, I'm sure that this tradition started from a good place to show the purity and to, to really think about God and, and, and to love him and, and, and to symbolize, you know, cleanliness and holiness and purity. But, but it had come and been elevated to such a point that it was no longer about God and it was more about this external showing that, hey, I'm healthy, that, that I'm living this out. But before we're too hard on them about the external show of health. I mean, the reality is that all of us fall into this trap. That I remember that, uh, and I'm sure all of you guys remember this too, that, that you know, when you were a little kid and, and your, your mom would be yelling at you, you know, mock, you know, something or other, and everything, and, you know, uh, and then the phone would ring, and like, without even a breath, go from, to, hello, this is Jonas, and, and, how are you doing? and, and just like this, this automatic shift of, of, you know what, hey, everything is, everything is going on, you know, an external thing, like, hey, my family is in order, and all this, and uh, when the reality was, you know what, things weren't right, that, you know, she had a little snot-nosed kid being disobedient that she wanted to beat the tar out of, and, and that's where she was at, and, and so many of us will, will, will put on a pretty face, or we'll, we're, we're, just rotting inside, but, but we put on our, our facade and, and we go out and we act like everything is, is okay when in reality it is not. Jesus goes on, he says, then he said, you skillfully sidestep God's law in order to hold on to your own traditions. For instance, Moses gave you the law from God, honor your father and mother. And anyone who speaks disrespectfully of their father and mother must be put to death. But you say it is all right for people to say to their parents, sorry, I can't help you, for I have vowed to give God what I would have given to you. In this way, you let them disregard their needy parents. And so you cancel the word of God in order to hand down your own traditions. And that is, the one, and that is only one example among many others. So you have this, this 
example that Jesus is saying is like, look, you're elevating this, this idea of, of the tradition of, of giving a certain amount of money to God through the church over the actual command that God says is honor your father and mother. And in the first century, you know, there's no Social Security or Medicare or anything like that. There's no 401k programs that the 401k in the first century was your kids. That they were going to be the shepherds and take care of you. That they were going to be the, the uh, farmers and, and feed you. And what was going on here was that the, the, the Jewish priests and the, the, the Pharisees and the religious rulers were saying, you know what, it's, if you don't like your parents, we're going to, you know, don't want to honor them, we're going to give you a way out. You could take that money that you were going to use to take care of them and you can just give that to us and make that vow to us. And that, that will exempt you from living out this commandment. But again, before we're too hard on the, on the Pharisees and, the, and the, the people who are living this out, that how many times do we, we do that? That God tells us specific things of how to live and conduct our lives how to interact with him and how to interact with one another. And we, we just disregard it. And, and we say, well, you know, according to my tradition, according to my, my you know, religious tradition or my, my, my home tradition, my family tradition or a tradition I just came up with so I'm, I'm not obligated to do this, whatever that looks like, that we, we do it all the time. And, you know, especially, you know, for me personally, in, in emotional health and loving God with all my heart and loving others with, with all my heart, that, you know, you bring these kind of different things in. And you, you make excuses why it doesn't need to be dealt with now. And you make excuses of, of why you don't have to go to somebody when they've sinned against you and, and to talk to them about it. Or you make excuses why you don't have to talk with somebody when there's been a disappointment or, or a letdown. Or why you don't have to you know, talk to God and and. and pour out your heart to him and say, you know what, God, I'm, I'm angry about this. Or God, thank you for this. That we, we always have like things, you know, readily, you know, there for us to grab onto excuses or reasons why we do not love God with all of our heart and why we don't love others as ambassadors of Christ, living out as, as we looked at the scripture setting aside everything we do to be in this ideal state. One thing I was telling, you know, I was telling you guys that, that I, I like peace and I like to have fun. I, I have a lot of just kind of craziness that goes on in my life all the time. And, and uh, sometimes I just say, you know what? I just, I just need to have some fun and I just need to connect and I just need to you know, just relax and not worry about anything. And uh, um, something in my, in my life, uh, I got called on this week by a friend uh, because there was uh, something going on and uh, I just didn't really want to deal with it. I just, I, I, was, I was tired. 
I was emotionally tired and physically tired and, and it was a conversation. You ever get to a point where you just don't want to have a conversation because it's just going to take too much energy? Okay, I'm not alone on that. I just, I was there. I was just like, you know what, I just don't want to deal with it and you know what, I'm just, you know, I've cleared out a lot of the stuff in my back seat, so I got, a, I got some room there, so I'm just going to throw it, throw it back there and, and I'm just going to go forward and and I got called to the mat, you know, well, why, why didn't you tell me that this was going on? And the truth is, I don't like to disappoint people. I don't. I just, I'm not necessarily a people pleaser. I don't think I'm that extreme, but also I don't like to disappoint people, especially people who I'm close to. And that could be small stuff like, hey, you know what, uh, you know, you want to come over for dinner and I'll go, yeah. And then somebody, you know, an hour later will say, hey, you want to come over for dinner? And I'm like, how about dessert? And, and I'm like, you know, and then I'll like stack and think I'm going to, you know, I don't want to disappoint anybody. So I say yes to a lot of people about spending time with them. And what happens is that I hurt everybody in the process. And it comes, I don't know where that comes from in me, but it's not healthy. And this was one of those, those situations where, where I didn't have a conversation with somebody because I just didn't want to disappoint them. That, that, and and they, they said, hey, why didn't you talk to me about this? And I came right up with my tradition. I, I just said, you know what? Because I didn't want to disappoint you. I, I uh, wanted... You know, I just, I wanted to have fun. I wanted, I wanted, you know, this to just be a, you know, a nice day or, or, or a nice time together or something like that. And they're like, you know what? That's, that's just not right. That's not a healthy way to, to deal with this. And, and don't you think our relationship is more important than this one little, little thing? And the, the reality is I, I wasn't all like, oh, Yeah. You know, it wasn't a bad thing. It was just was a, a thing that I was not telling them. wasn't lying. I just wasn't telling them. Uh, just because I didn't want to disappoint. And just being reminded of, of somewhere where, where one of my shortcomings as, as a person is that having a hard time doing this emotion, you know, living life emotionally well. That, that is my realizing that it's my tendency to just say, you know what, it doesn't really matter and throw it in the, in the back seat and, and keep on going. Where in reality, we have to say, you know what, in order to do this life well, in order to get back to this ideal state that we have to have this relentless pursuit of this vision that God has for our lives. And that's our relationship with him and relationship with others. And to live in a kind of a, a world where we, it's okay to disappoint and it's okay to say, you know what, I'm hurting here or I, didn't, I don't want to tell you this, but this is just the reality of where I am. And moving forward from that, Jesus goes on and he says this, uh, then the then Jesus called to the crowd to come and he, uh, hear. All you listen, he said, and try to understand. It is not what goes in your body that defiles you. You are defiled by what comes from your heart. Now, Jesus is going to move into hyperbole here. 
He's not making a, a you know, a system, you know, a saying, oh, you know, you can put poison in your body and it's not going to defile you. Well, man, I defile you, but it's going to kill you. So I, I understand he's trying to make a point here. And he goes on, and, and then Jesus wanted to get away from the house and the crowd, and he asked, and his disciples asked him what he meant by the parable he just used. He's like, don't you understand either, he asked? Can't you see that the food you put in your body cannot defile you? Food doesn't go into your heart, or, but only passes through your stomach and goes into the sewer. That's just gross, but I mean... That's what Jesus said. Like, if I said that, I'd get in trouble. But he said it, so it's cool. In verse 20, he added, It is what comes from inside that defiles you. For, for from within, out of a person's heart, comes evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, lustful desires, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these vile things come from within. They are what defile you. Basically, Jesus here is, is trying to remind his disciples that, hey, you know what? You're focusing on the wrong thing. It's not these traditions, even though these traditions, they're not wrong and within themselves, that you have to understand what the baseline meaning of them are. And these are meant to help you love God with all of your heart, to get back to this, this ideal state, to live a holy and blameless life. And where you need to start is in your heart. Because ultimately, the heart is your control center. You ever hear uh, the saying, his heart just wasn't in it? Well, what's that actually mean? It means that, that he did what he was meant to do, right? Like he actually performed the physical task, but emotionally, he just wasn't there. His heart just wasn't in it. And for us, for many of us, this loving God with all our heart and coming here and doing a physical expression of worship, honoring God with our lips, that we may honor God with our lips, but our heart just isn't in it. And Jesus says that that makes our worship a farce. But some of us, we don't know anything different that we haven't had the friends to call us out on things. We haven't had the crashes in our emotional lives that have forced us to change. And this is something as, as fully devoted followers of Christ that we need to figure out. That means different things for different people. For you today, it may be just going to a friend and say, hey, you know what, it hurt when you did this. Or can you explain or help me? Or... Or maybe just you know you did something and just say, or you know what, I've been meaning to tell you something. I just, I, this has been bothering me or, or something like that. For others of us, that's to get into some sort of group, maybe, maybe a 12-step program or something like that, that just, uh, you know, emotionally we have just been just bankrupt. 
For some of us, it may mean that we need to get into counseling. Maybe we have forgiveness issues. Maybe that uh, there's just stuff that's happened in our life that we're just, we're just carrying. And, and you know what? We're never going to grow. We're never going to move past this. We're never, ever going to be able to be emotionally well, be able to love God with all our heart until we deal with some of these deep-seated issues that have come from the past. In order for us to do this, we have to have courage. That we have to be on our knees and pray to God and say, God, I can't do this on my own, and I need you to help guide me to the place where I can be vulnerable about these things and open up my heart and and." Allow you to be the great physician that you claim that you are and to heal me. In order for us to love God with all our heart, unfortunately, it's not easy. It requires us to change many of the patterns, a lot of them self-preserving patterns that we put in our life to experience something new and something better. But it's not a path for the coward. It's the path for those of us who want to relentlessly pursue God and to relentlessly pursue this vision that He has for our life. Let's pray. Dear God, I just uh, know so many of us, uh, we... We suffer and struggle with just emotional health. Loving you with all of our heart, loving others with our heart, all our heart. God, I just pray that you will give us the courage to take the steps that is necessary. To ask for a referral to a counselor, to ask for books or or groups that will help us heal from divorce or rape or abortion or substance abuse neglection issues all sorts of things just plague us god heal us and Let us realize that you have sent us many resources in order for us to be healed. We love you, Lord.